0: Welcome, everybody, to the NSO pod. He is Sterling Pingree. I am Tom Corbett. Is this like our first official week of the NFL offseason? I feel like the week after the Super Bowl isn't really the offseason. It's the coming down of the regular season.
1: Yeah, when you still have a game to talk about, it still feels like football is still very real. And now... Now there's been a weekend where there's no game to talk about. And we're just like, oh, so we could watch the NBA All-Star game. And this is what we do on Sundays now. And I think that's why people were so like disappointed by the NBA All-Star game. Like, this is not new. Like, this is not a, a brand new phenomenon that that product is terrible. But it's like, it was the first weekend with no football. And everyone's looking at it going, what the hell is this? But even, I
0: mean... I'm a huge NBA guy, and I did not remotely think of or really want to watch the All-Star. I didn't watch any of the skills competition stuff. The, the Steph Curry and Sabrina three-point contest interests me, and I checked that out. But other than that, like, the dunk contest looked like it was horrendous. The three-point contest doesn't really entice me, in the All-Star game was bad. And, I mean, like you said, it's not necessarily a new thing, and maybe it's, you know, old 37-year-old, but, like, I remember those All-Star games, like, late 90s. Sure. And like, yeah, they would end up, like, 140 to 136, but the last seven, eight minutes were, like, Intense. Michael Jordan just hounding Clyde Drexler, whatever it like. It was an intense last seven, eight minutes where they're actually like, "No, we're gonna win. We're gonna make sure you lose." And now it's it's not remotely that. And everyone's like, "Oh, you have to you have to incentivize. You have to give them more money. You have to give them money to incentivize it." And it's like, really, that that sixty million. He's making this year's not enough to incentivize playing in this one showcase
1: game. Well, there's just no desire that in the showcase of the best players in the league that you want to stand out. Like, they they don't care. You know, it's I did watch, so in in the great room, I had the dunk contest, three-point contest on, on Saturday night on one of the top TVs, so no sound because, dear God, I can't listen to Kenny Smith. During the dunk contest, he just repeats over and over and over and over. Atrocious. Um, And during the three point, the three point, they've kind of like the three point contest seems like something that they can't really screw up. And it feels like they've sort of, I don't know, it doesn't feel quite the same. I mean, like it's a shooting contest. Like in its most pure, I don't know, like it's something you really can't water down unless people just don't try and guys try in the three point and it's fine. It's also a little luster since they added like a couple extra gimmicks to it. Where yeah, like now you a, have the
0: entire rack of money balls. Money balls, that you put But also, somewhere. like they have another
1: Mountain Dew ball that they shoot from four feet beyond the arc in Steph Curry land or whatever. And um, so like it it was fine before that. Which they've never figured out the third event. I don't know why the NBA figures like they have to have three events. Like they did that stupid point guard skills challenge. challenge. I didn't mind,
0: like, they did for a little bit the, like, legend shootout thing where they had, like, one NBA legend, one WNBA player, one NBA player, all from the same team. Yeah. And you had to go, like, baseline, foul line, three-point shot, half-court shot.
1: Now it's almost, and I think I turned it on late. Like, I watched two teams that just started firing half-court shots. And I remember, like, it used to be, like, the spots on the floor and you had to hit from, like, the five. And then it, it really came down to the half-court shot at the end, um, which was fine. It was kind of fun to see who could make a half-court shot the quickest. But, which, by the way, I remember there was one year where they needed, like, a legend to fill out a team. And I, I want to say it was, like, Washington. And they had Jerry Stackhouse as a Wizards legend. I, I want to say that's what it was. And everyone kind of went, oh, yeah, he played for the Wizards. Like, that should not be the reaction. If someone has to go, oh, yeah, he played for them. Oddly, I
0: always think Stackhouse as Philadelphia, or I mean Detroit, playing Maybe with too. Grant
1: Hill. I, I think of him with Philly because they drafted him. And then I think Detroit. it's like Philly and Detroit in my head. Like, those are his kind of main his main teams. Uh, right. Like, you don't think of Chris Webber, the Washington Bullet. You know, you, you may think yeah, he's Sacramento. States, King. That's where he started that one year, but yeah, he's a he's a Sacramento King. Maybe, maybe a, maybe a Philadelphia 70s for maybe that maybe one just, season. You know, <laughs> yeah, was not there very long. No, no, um, he was not. The dunk contest, the problem, and, and I agree with you know, some of the, the takes of like I've thought for a long time, like they've exhausted everything they can do, and then like Vince Carter came along, and I was like, all right, well, my brain's broken. I I don't know. They just keep coming up with more. And then it kind of hit a lull. And then, like, Aaron Gordon came out and, you know, Blake Griffin. And we got kind of like a little resurgence again where we saw some guys doing just some wild stuff. And now, I I mean, it's such a bizarre field. They have, like, Mac McClung has now won it two years in a row. Jalen Brown's an all-star. But what what was it that I saw? He's the first all-star to compete in the dunk contest in, like, eight years or something like that, which that feels like a problem.
0: Yeah. And it's no one's willing the problem like these guys aren't and don't have the time to do the creative dunks that like you see online. Like you watch a oh what's the guy's name? Uh Jordan Kilgannon if you look it up. White guy. Does all these crazy dunks. He won like this dunk show that was on like I think TNT. So it had Kenny Smith, of course, and Shaq, and oh, of course. But like, does all this ridiculous stuff? But the NBA guys can't put in the time to try to perfect those, and no one's going to go out and do them and look stupid and miss in front of millions of people. And now it's suddenly turned into who can jump higher.
1: Well, one of the things that yeah, who who can jump over someone? Which, by the way, yeah, I'm jumping over Shaq, but he's got his head bowed in prayer, and I'm and the my worst hand being
0: Jalen Brown. I'm gonna jump over like a five foot six guy sitting in a chair
1: in a chair,
0: and I'm, I'm just, just gonna it dunk it. On the
1: hand that I'm bad with. I'm
0: just gonna dunk it, and then I'm gonna pretend that I covered my eyes like D Brown two seconds after I <laughs> dunked it.
1: He did it after he landed. Yeah. Like, because they said he's going to do a tribute to D Brown. I go, great. This he will be He awesome. Pumped up the shoes. I, I like the kind of like theatrics, but like, again, I watched it with the sound off. He brought a guy out. Don't know who the guy was. Could have been a player, could have been a rapper. I have no idea. But he brought some random dude out who stripped off his tracksuit and was wearing a full Dominique Wilkins uniform, who was one of the judges. And then I have no idea what he had to do with anything because he didn't do a dom. Oh, he did the Dominique Wilkins back and forth, whatever dunk, which is fine. And it was cool to a point. I mean, it's not like a Wiley, but it was like a good first round dunk. But I have no idea why there was a random dude in a Dominique uniform. Like if Jalen Brown had a Dominique uniform, especially when he used to have the the high top fade, that would have been cool. Like I'm actually here for I, I loved the dunk contest with like Nate Robinson and Dwight Howard and mm-hmm. Blake Griffin jumping over a car and uh, Aaron Gordon. made Even the, like,
0: like JaVale McGee, who is like JaVale, trying to dunk yes. with three basketballs at once.
1: <laughs> he, he was the one who brought out the second hoop,
0: right? Right. And he dunked one, dunked the other, while another was going off the backboard, trying yeah. to get that.
1: Like I was, I was in it during those years. Cause it was like, okay, like we've There's done all creativity the- involved. There, well, there it was a show like they understood it. But even like you look at the guys like you said, Javale McGee was like probably the third or fourth biggest star in that dunk contest because you also had like Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard. You know, Nate Robinson did it a bunch of times. Like you had stars. Matt McClung, I mean, he the dunk he did where he jumped over the guy, picked the ball up, and then like double clutched it where he like yeah. let it go or kind of flipped it to himself and then did it. That was that was a a new dunk like that felt that felt fresh and the judges gave him like forty sevens and forty eights and then Jalen Brown fake covered his eyes and he got like forty nines and fifties. I was like, what are we doing? I mean I'm a Celtic homer, but like the other dunk was way better than that one. Um do you think Tom, and I think this is a big part of it, is there was a stretch in the dunk contest I don't know, six or seven years ago. We'll say it was pre pandemic, but not by a ton where the dunk contest got tough to watch because guys would try to do really creative stuff and they couldn't do it the first time every time. Right. And they would try like eight attempts. And, and then they get dragged for it. it. Right. And they got crap and they would end up getting a worse score, but also like the crowd, you could just hear them groaning as they kept, like, you know, screwing up this dunk.
0: Yeah, I remember like yep. Birdman once. Yes. It had like eight, nine tries.
1: And that's why they added the shot clock, you know, for lack of a better term, where they have a minute and a half to do it. The other night, I mean, I think there was only like maybe two or three dunks total where they didn't get it the first time, which that felt good, but then at the same time like the dunks weren't right. that great. They're just so doing it's Yeah, no one wants to look stupid. Right. No one wants to look dumb, no one wants to, you know, make a fool out of and themselves. In the Kenny anymore. Smiths of the world. Do make it
0: worse because you oh you miss one then you come back and you nail it it's, yeah but he couldn't do it first try you know that's got to hurt him you know it took him two tries
1: well and Kenny Smith builds it up oh gee oh he's going back he's gonna you know, he's gonna take it back he's gonna do this and then like he runs up and a couple times they were doing almost identical dunks to each other and I'm like okay like how how do you score that one who did the exact same one better I I don't know it's there's got to be a way to fix it. But I don't. I almost feel
0: like you don't don't use the NBA guys. You bring in like these professional dunkers who do those contests.
1: Yeah, but then here's the thing: who cares? It'd be more entertaining. It might be entertaining, but there's no investment. Like when Vince Carter did it, like you were excited because like you knew the reputation, knew yeah. But you're never
0: going to get those guys. But you're never going
1: to like if you get these quote unquote professional dunkers, you're never going to see them again. Like. Would you right. right? I mean, we're and, never going to see point.
0: McClung again
1: until probably next and, year. And that's the problem, is that Matt McClung played how many NBA games this year? Like four?
0: Zero. He, I don't... He's
1: been in the G League. I mean, he's played almost no time in the NBA. And now he pops up, does the dunk contest, and then we won't see him again until next year's contest. So he might as well be a professional dunker. You know, it, It's like the first year of that. Remember, what was it Alec Burks for Utah? The kind of a tall, skinny kid. He won yeah. the dunk contest, but he'd only played like a small handful of games. I remember people being irate that this guy shouldn't even be in the contest. Not only is he not an all-star, he's hardly a player. Now, I mean, literally, Matt McClung was wearing a G League jersey. You know, he had an Orlando Magic jersey, didn't he? Uh, he he had one jersey that literally said G League across the back. Hey, I don't know. Rep it, it's. I, I think we're old men young at clouds and a little bit, but. I mean, the NFL just did away with the Pro Bowl essentially, and now is like literally just said what it is. It's it's a flag football exhibition, if you even want to call it that. That's what they
0: should do the three on three tournament. Each team sends their three guys.
1: That could be fun, but but again, like they need to feel like they're playing for something. And I like to believe that you're you're right that if it was a three on three and these guys got to put together their squads, that they would have a level of you know Le- that LeBron would say, "Yeah, me and Anthony you know, Davis and Anthony Davis and Kyrie would win, or, or whatever it is." I no, mean, I'm saying really. each
0: team sends their own, not even conference. Like, oh, okay, a Celtics so, three, like, oh, Jalen,
1: Tatum, and Porzingis. Right. Yeah, that that could be fun. That could be fun. I mean, you know what what I thought of? Not so much like how the All Star Game used to be, but. You, you hear about these pickup games in the summer, mm-hmm. and they talk about just how competitive they are. And it's just, it's all pros, maybe a few college players that are, you know, really, really good. And they get together at U- USC or UCLA, and they have just these, like, you know, knockdown, dragout pickup games. Yet the All Star game, where you have literally the best of the best in the game right now on a huge stage, and it's just a complete yawn. Yeah. That doesn't add up to me.
0: It's another one of those similar to the you don't want to look dumb in the dumb contest. I don't think you want to be the try-hard guy. I'm sure everyone starts. why are you going so hard? Stop going so hard. And it just demoralizes, and then everyone just, okay, we'll just let Damian Lillard get wide-open shots and layups. and
1: Which, by the way, I'm pretty MVP. sure they have a raffle before the game to pick who gets to win the MVP. Because every year, like, I was watching it with the sound off and half paying attention. We were watching Oppenheimer on the big screen in the great room. And, like, within a quarter, I was like, oh, Damian Lillard's winning the MVP. Like, you just, you you know. You we know have who's those, going for it that night.
0: There's, like, an antique racing tour around New England. Yeah, it's, uh, near the Northeast Antique Racers or whatever.
1: Dude, they race like armoirs and yeah, top like
0: desks? just classic
1: old school cars from like the fifties, sixties. Oh, okay. I I was thinking like antique furniture and like hutches and stuff.
0: Uh, <laughs> but literally, like, oh, they have a meeting in the pits before the race, and they decide who wins for the night, and it's all just <laughs> just a show. Like, oh, because sure. they are. You, I mean, you're not going to go derby. out, go out and go crazy with a you know sixty year old car. <laughs> Right. And it's a lot of like 60-year-old men, 70 like right ride, driving them and it's it's literally just putting on a show. They decide beforehand who's going to be the winner and they maneuver well, around.
1: And that's something I mean, you and I both as wrestling fans, it's like the people who who begrudge wrestling are the ones who who still believe that there are those that believe it's legitimate. You know, if you're in on the gimmick and you, and you're in on the work you can just enjoy it for the show, the spectacle, and entertainment when you're not trying to poke holes in, you know, whether or not it's legitimate or not. So, if you were to say the NBA All Star Game, no, I mean, pro sports never really can't say like the fix is in or this is just a show because then, at some point, I mean, people already think the NFL's scripted and they think the NBA's rigged. Yeah, you can't really go in and say, yeah, I mean, the uh, the All Star Game's predetermined because then where does that end?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the all-star games in general, name me one that's really... I thought the flag football stuff's been pretty good. That's fairly entertaining, but even, like, NH- NHL's okay. I think the all-star game in general, no matter the sport, may be just kind of a thing of the past.
1: Which, but... In in my mind too, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, I know people have said this week, well, you know, it used to be something when you wouldn't see the matchups except for like the World Series and the All-Star Game or the finals, where you didn't have so much kind of you know, cross conference play and whatnot. And I think of that mostly with like baseball is like you didn't get to see, you know, Pedro Martinez pitching against you know Johnson. Yeah, like you didn't get to see those matchups. And now with the interleague play, you do. To me, it's not so much that. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to see these lineups. Like, I still love, and I think baseball is unequivocally the best all-star game because guys are pitching. It's become kind of pitching heavy, but also isn't that kind of how it should be? Like, if you have the 10 best pitchers in the American League and they're all going one inning each, maybe two, yeah, I mean, chances are they shouldn't give up a run, right? I mean, I, I, I watched... They're going against a great lineup, but... I watched the first
0: three innings of Pedro in the 99 oh, All-Star game. So good. When he went, yeah, starter, went three innings and just... Two.
1: He went two innings, he struck out five. I thought he went three, but... Two innings, two innings, struck out five because there was an error... Uh, I think Roberto Alomar had him go through the wickets, and Pudge Rodriguez threw the runner out at second.
0: Pudge famously stole the MVP from him
1: that same year. Yep. I know. Yeah, Pedro should have been the '99. Maybe we'll do that episode too. The the '99 MVP vote where Pedro should have won it. Yeah, randomly,
0: like Rafael Palmero got some votes. It's real shady. Real shady.
1: Well, like one left him off completely, and you know, and in my head, I remember the argument at the time was. Pitchers don't deserve They the have their own award. They have their own award. You look through history, there's quite a few pitchers that have won the MVP. Like, Clemens did it in 86, so it wasn't like it was a million years ago that someone did it. I also believe, I'm pretty sure, I almost was like Dennis Eckersley did it in 92. So, like, seven years before a closer was the Cy Young, and I'm pretty sure he won the MVP as well. So it's not like it just doesn't happen. I'll look it up. Yeah, that, that one will forever bug me. But yeah, I mean, striking out the heart of the steroid era. Was it Sosa McGuire? Man, when they Perry, rolled out. Barry Larkin, Jeff Bagwell. When the car or, came out with Ted Williams. Oh, oh, I mean, like, you had, and, and this is something that only gets cooler as, as time passes, too. Like, you look at the stars on the field, because the part that no one ever shows is, that was when they announced the All Century Team. I can't remember the All Century may have been at the uh, the World Series because that's where they had like Pete Rose and whatnot, and and I think Joe DiMaggio was there. Um, but they had like these living legends. I mean, like I distinctly remember Jim Rice going up to Willie Mays and asking for his autograph on the field. Like that was the level of talent that they had out there, not just the All Star players that year, but you had Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and. Nolan Ryan. I mean, you had the greatest players of the century because this was 1999, and then Ted Williams came out. I mean, like, that was – talk about the hammer. Like, him coming out at the end and throwing out the first pitch, held up by uh, Tony Gwynn, throwing it to Carlton Fisk. I mean, it is – I watched it again, yeah, a couple years ago, and just – It may be the greatest
0: all-star game ever.
1: Oh, I I think no question. And to top that off, the night before – now again height of the steroid era the home run derby at 99 man that's a show lands street was hopping <laughs> you got chris berman on the call which is always just like just chef's kiss you know and he's like this one might hit new hampshire how
0: many cocktails oh. do you think berman has before a home run derby
1: I, I hope he has several because if, if not, then he enjoys more life than anybody else. And I, I love, I know some people aren't a fan of Berman. I love Chris Berman. It, it's um, got
0: to be in the right, right situations.
1: Nah, all situations. I'm no, in. Just, I right. mean, like, I want to be you know, great. No, like, I want him doing a serious NFL sports highlights. center.
0: Or, yeah. Yeah. A pregame. Want,
1: no fast. I want him doing fastest two minutes. I want him doing highlights. I want nicknames. I want puns. Give me the whole Berman experience. I want back, 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 back. on! I want the whole thing.
0: Uh, Eckersley was Cy Young and MVP in 92.
1: Yeah. Writers were talking about, like, Pedro winning the MVP was this foreign concept. A freaking relief pitcher who some don't even believe should qualify for the Cy Young, won the MVP seven years before 1999. Shove off reporters in of 1999. Still mad about this. Yeah. Mm. To give it a, to had give more,
0: it to and yeah. Rodriguez, Pedro had more first place votes.
1: Yeah, because it it came down to someone just left him off the ballot entirely, right? Was something like, a, like that, yeah. A writer from New York or, or two writers from New York or something left him off completely, and yeah, I think it was yeah. like Palmero or someone. Probably the
0: same guy there. that gave Jeter an MVP first place <sighs> vote.
1: Yeah, that was a rough time because there was there was always New York writers that would give Jeter votes, even though it's like, yeah, okay, like he's he's a good player, he's an all star, but like he doesn't lead the league in any category besides he's your favorite and you write for New York papers.
0: Yeah. Pedro had eight first place, Pudge seven, four for Roberto Alomar, four for Manny Ramirez, Cleveland Manny. Uh Four for Rafael Palmero and one for Derek Jeter. Yelling me, Killing me. Nomar seventh.
1: Nomar ninety nine boy, ninety nine two thousand Nomar. Trying to think which is this the no I think three seventy two was the next yeah this year. was three fifty seven. 27 yeah.
0: homers, 104 RBIs, 14 stolen batting, bases. Won,
1: won the batting title because he won two, and I think it was 99 in 2000. Oh, We could do a yeah. whole episode, maybe we will this year, with just, like, the 99 Red Sox. 357 in 99, 372 in 2000. Uh-huh. He was, th- he was flirting with, like, 390, like, deep. I think him and... Recent uh, Hall of Fame inductee Todd Helton, I think both were like in the three eighties, three nineties, like to July or something that year.
0: Nomar got on the MVP ballot in two thousand six for the Dodgers. Where did do he finish? Thirteenth. Okay. Well, all right. It was kind of a. But
1: still, I mean, you know, we we believe that his career ended in 04 when he was traded uh, to the Cubs, kinda. but and, and it's not far from the truth, but.
0: Yeah, because he could, I mean, couldn't really stay healthy. But then, yeah, played 122 games in 06 for the Dodgers. Hit 303. 20 homers, 93 RBIs. Not even 100 RBIs got on the MVP list. Then played 121 games the next year. And then kind of went down after that. Forty three yeah, games for the Dodgers, forty five for Oakland, and that was it. Was
1: it. A, yeah, it was just the one year in Oakland, right? Because I remember yep. him coming back to Boston and it was you know, the first time he played at Fenway and it was like this big deal of him coming back with the with the Oakland A's.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: hmm. Nomar. You knew football season would end and we'd end up talking about Nomar, like the first episode out.
0: Clearly. That was that was right up there at the top of <laughs> <laughs> At the top of the list of what people were probably betting on was coming next week. Vinny Testaverdi,
1: 1988 next week. Uh, and Nomar was rookie of the year. Okay. Yeah. 97 okay. had a cup of coffee in 96 when he came up, but it was only like September call up August and September. And then yeah, 97 rookie of the year.
0: Yeah. Eighth and MVP that year.
1: He was good, like Silver 30, Slugger, thirty homers. Yep, thirty homers, ninety eight RBIs. I remember because I think he got home run number thirty, like in the final game. I remember listening on the radio, just praying Nomar would hit his thirtieth home run. Because I mean, ninety seven Red Sox is about all we were playing for, but Nomar getting the thirty home runs was a big deal.
0: Now he's that. See, he would have been twenty four. That's probably old for a rookie nowadays. Eh, for if some. you're considered.
1: Was Nomar considered like a super prospect? Do you remember? He, he he was a big prospect. I mean, I remember hearing his name in like 95, where you started seeing more and more of him. Because, I mean, he, he was a, a stud at Georgia Tech, high draft choice, uh, had played on the Olympic team in 92. So, I mean, he was he was a name that was was pretty well known amongst Red Sox fans, especially especially by '95, and then you know '96 he came up. I can't remember he had like five home runs in '96. Four, four. I mean, and he did it. It was twenty four games. Not, yeah, it was not many games, and he was not known as like a power guy either. So when he showed some pop, people were. I remember I went to in November '96. I went to Movon's hitting camp. In Portland, that he had, and one of the instructors was Nomar Garcia Parra. So, like, I knew who all the all the campers, which are of course all Red Sox fans, were like, "Oh yeah, this Nomar guy." Like, he was there all three days. And he was doing the toe tap everywhere he went. We all knew who he was. And then next year, he's the Rookie of the Year.
0: He's one of those that you look at and you go, "Are those first seven seasons good enough?" to get you near the hall of fame. If you had just have a fantastic 7-year run where you're you know on the MVP list almost every single year. The only one not obviously 2001 when he got hurt. Right. It's um, an interesting debate. And I'm sure he never will be cuz baseball's stupid. But
1: Right. Well, and he's never had because of the way his career kind of just fell off the cliff. All right, and he never got he, the moment. Well, and you look at the time that he did it, 97 to you know 2003, let's say. Yeah. You know, height of the steroid era. So he really was still, even though he was an outstanding player, he was still overshadowed by these ridiculous offensive numbers that we were seeing pop up all across the league. I mean, you know, he showed up a year before McGuire broke the record, before he hit 70, and then, you know, fell off the face of the earth right after Bonds hit 73. Plus, there is the implication that, you know, you see the Sports Illustrated, you know, cut above cover and then, you know, he tears his split longitudinal tendon like a week after that issue came out. And I think there is always been the was no more a steroids guy because like the injuries that started piling up that derailed his career. People have always kind of, you know, winking and all been like, yeah, we know what that's kind of about. Plus, you know, his career fell off a cliff right around the time they started testing. So. Nothing's ever proven, but I think there's always been that consideration. So I I think further demeans it. But I think you raise an interesting point of would the Nomar is seven great years enough to get you consideration. Yeah,
0: what's more important, longevity or impact?
1: Right, right. Well, and you look, I mean, the argument is Sandy Koufax, right? And I'm not saying that Nomar is the offensive equivalent of Sandy Koufax, but... You know, kind of the quantity versus quality, you know, yes, it is wildly impressive that Cal Ripken played the number of seasons he did the number of games in a row he did, but I mean, he got 3000 hits because he hang, hung on for like five extra seasons when he was changing batting stances and he, he's really not anywhere near the Cal Ripken you remember, but he ends up with the counting stats. Nomar got nowhere near the counting stats, but you're right. I mean, 372, 357, like, Average or below average players do not come anywhere near those numbers.
0: Yeah. I mean, did Cal Ripken have, what was Cal Ripken's best season?
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember his MVP season. Uh, was he 91? I think he had another one. Let's see. I think he, he had won, one in he won, he won, 83. Couple, 83, which is like his second year in the big leagues.
0: Uh, Yeah, second full year. Played every game.
1: Uh, They won the World Series.
0: 318, 27 homers, 102 RBIs. And then he won his other one in 1990. 90. Hit, no, 91, sorry. 91 hit 323, 34 homers,
1: 114 RBIs. So that
0: one's pretty comparable.
1: Well, average, not quite, but. And at that period of time, too, I mean, shortstops were kind of like second basemen. They weren't expected to hit for any power. If they hit for a good batting average, like all the better. I mean, you know, the best shortstops, you know, if they hit 300 and were gold glove caliber, they were considered an outstanding shortstop. Cal was the beginning of, you know, the A-Rods and the Nomars and, you know, to an extent, Jeter maybe. but Yeah,
0: all-star from 1983 to 2001. Yeah.
1: Oh no, great player, but when you look at his counting stats like he got 3000 hits at like the very end of a, you know, almost 20-year career.
0: Right. When I mean that MVP year in 91 where he hit 34 home runs is the only year he ever hit 30 home runs.
1: What what were his batting averages like the last say 4 years? <laughs>
0: 239, 256, 340 in 99, but he only played 86 games and 271, 270, 278, 262. So yeah, it dropped off quite a bit around 95 minus that one 86 game season where he hit 340 and had 18 homers
1: in just 86 games. Yeah, maybe there's something going on in 1999 that we need to we need to look into 1999. We'll Ninety nine deep dive. I think there's been many a deep dives on that year, but uh, uh people always talk about 98 because the home run race, but 99 the numbers are almost a little more ridiculous. But yeah, one
0: season of 30 or more home runs, but he still ended up with 431 career home runs. Right, that's longevity. What, 19 seasons, 21 years, so. Yeah. 20, 20 full seasons. Had his first year where he only played 23 games, had no homers. Hmm. Only had 39 at bats in 23 games, hit 128.
1: Yeah, because I think they, they turned right around. He came up in 82, and, I mean, they won the World Series in 83. and
0: Came up in 81, first full year, 82. Yeah. Rookie of the year, 30th in MVP. <laughs> does that mean, so does that list mean someone put him in some kind of vote? If you got a point somewhere, do, are you on the
1: list? Does that determine how how long the list is? Yeah, probably. So that that year just had to be like wide open. They're like, I don't know, I'll throw a vote for Cal Ripken. Won it that year. What year? Eighty two. Yep. Um, I have it here,
0: but do you want to see
1: if you know? Robin Yount.
0: That's correct.
1: I Rob- literally read a book last month about. Uh, it was called the Sud series, and it was about the nineteen eighty two baseball season because there's, there's a chunk. That I don't know very well. And it's like 79 to like... I'll even put like 85 in there. Like, I know the teams that won the World Series. But I know nothing about... And that's why I wanted to read this book. Because it's a World Series. It's called the Sud Series. We'll go on a brief aside here. Uh, because of between the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. So you have, obviously, Miller Brewing in Milwaukee. And you had Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis. So, A.K. the Sud Series. Because the Brewers were in the American League at the time. And like, I know nothing about... You know... Uh, Harvey's Wallbangers, the the Milwaukee Brewers of 82, and Gorman Thomas and Pete Vukovich. who, fun fact, I, I knew that he was someone in major league. The guy who plays Clue Haywood is Pete Vukovic, who, and you could check this too, I believe was the Cy Young winner in 82 in the American League. If not even finished, I want to say he won the Cy in 82. Um, but like he pitched with injuries and he threw like you know, like three World Series games for Milwaukee and was outstanding, but like damaged his shoulder. He pitched like a handful of games the next season and then was like out of baseball completely. But it Yeah, he, he was played, played Clue Haywood. He was the AL Cy Young winner. Yeah. In nineteen eighty two. Great big guy. Like, you look at him you're like, Well, that's not a pitcher, and yeah, he was. He was outstanding and um ended up playing Clue Haywood major league. So
0: Yeah, a lot of names. Interesting names on that list it, for AL MVP, Robin Yount, Eddie Murray, Doug DeCensus, Hal McRae, Cecil Cooper, Reggie Jackson, Dwight Evans, Gorman Thomas, Dan Quisenberry, Ricky Henderson. That was the top 10. 130 stolen bases for Ricky Henderson in oh, 1982.
1: Yeah. yeah, the the numbers for Ricky were, were just absolute video game numbers. But it is it's a weird era of... Like the Pirates won it in 79, the Phillies, which was like a retread of the Big Red Machine because it was you know, Pete Rose and you know, Steve Carlton, Mike Schmidt and all them. Um, they won it in 80, the Dodgers in 81, the uh, Cardinals in 82, the Orioles in 83, the Tigers in 84, and the Royals in 85. It's like, what a just odd you know, era of baseball where just teams... And even if you want to go further, the Mets in 86, obviously people remember them, but I mean eighty seven you got the Minnesota Twins. You know, I mean besides Kirby Puckett and like Kent Herbeck, it's like it's a very odd, odd era. The Dodgers again in eighty-eight, um, eighty-nine, obviously, with the uh earthquake, finally gave Oakland one, and then the Cincinnati Reds in ninety and the twins in ninety one. Like it it's just a very odd time, the the eighties in major league baseball, the the teams that were, were good.
0: Hmm. I don't think I knew that Dwight Evans Played one year with Baltimore at the end of his career.
1: Yes, 92. 91. 90, 91. Yeah. I do, I do, in my head pictures, it's by baseball cards. In his 91 Tops card, he's still with the Red Sox. and 92, he's with, with the Orioles. So, But back then, the set used to come out in November, so a lot of those weren't wholly accurate.
0: It's a nice long career for Dwight. That was Williams.
1: a really, yeah. How many gold gloves?
0: Let's see. One,
1: like eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Talk, talk about a guy who's got Hall of Fame credentials. One played a long time, high level, twenty years, and and one of the best defensive outfielders. Mm-hmm. W- and has become wildly underrated as a defensive outfielder. It's just as a defensive player in general. Eight gold gloves? You kidding me? Finished
0: ninth. An MVP in 88
1: at 36 years old? Mm. Always tinkering with his swing. He'd go into like some sort of slump, and suddenly he would change his stance and his swing and everything. Led off the 1986 season with a home run at uh, Tiger Stadium in Detroit. First pitch of the year. <laughs> we could just do this. We'll just do this every week, Tom. We'll just... Just go down our. our normal just go down. Just you go on the uh, baseball reference and
0: I'll lost just out the get... MVP that year to Jose Canseco.
1: <laughs> and I'll just throw out stats and like quips and things that I've read about some of these players. Right on. Uh, but let's move to the immaculate grid. Let's go to the grid for the week. I, to be fair, I said we should just do the grid this week. Just talk about nothing else. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I must say, I was ready to talk something other than, you know, just mainly football. And I don't really think there was any real football news this week.
1: Um, Shout out to Matt Slater, announced his retirement. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, definitely on the Mount Rushmore, my favorite Patriots of all time. I um, mean, just a you know, good guy, team guy. You, you hope uh, he ends up in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. That'd be cool. It would be because it kind of points out that like maybe kickoffs and special teams and like all these things are, you know are, are valued, but uh yeah. Probably kickoff's not. going kickoff's going away in like five years they'd be like, Wait, he did what? What was a kickoff? What was it? punting? I thought they just fair caught that wherever it landed.
0: They will be now. After yeah. that muff in the Super Bowl, they're probably gonna outlaw punting.
1: It's true. It's true. It's going to be punting for... They'll just mark it wherever it lands.
0: All right. Uh The Immaculate Grid for the week. Up top, we have the New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars, and only one team. So players that only played for that team. Down the side, San Francisco, the Washington Commanders. I really kind of hope that they get a rebrand. Yeah, I know they too. just did, so they probably won't. But new colors, new brand, I wouldn't be against it.
1: I would be very okay if they were like, you know what? I think we screwed this one up. Let's just go with something else. Oh, and the
0: last team is the uh, the Raiders of Los Angeles, Oakland,
1: Las Vegas.
0: I don't think I'm missing any any other
1: spots. Mm. Oakland, so- LA, Oakland... No, you're good. Yeah,
0: uh, kicking it off, San Francisco and the Jets probably. Hi, man, is Sam Darnold?
1: Yeah, wasn't the wasn't the first one that jumped into my mind? And now uh, feels like there's going to be like receivers that have have played for both.
0: Yeah, it seems was, like for some a, reason. Like a Lavernius-Cole type of place. But I don't think Lavernius actually played for San Francisco. No, and it throws me off. This is one where, like in my head... And Him and Santana went back and forth between Washington yes, and the Jets. Yes. We'll, not we'll flip to, a coin. Not to foreshadow for, <laughs>
1: we'll for fl- the next we'll, one. We'll flip a coin what the next one is. But like the one that jumps into my mind, but I know he didn't, but it's because the Raiders are down there lurking, is uh, Charlie Garner. Because Charlie Garner played for the Jets, and no, he played for the Niners and Raiders, but he didn't play for the Jets, but he did play for the Eagles. So, uh, Frank Gore. Frank Gore. I bet that's gonna be like a high one because it's somewhat recent. Probably. Yeah. We, weirdly, this feels like one that a lot more should jump to mind. But uh, Darnold and Gore probably like your two highest scores here. But I feel like they've probably had some like a lot of backup quarterback types. I don't know. It, it seems I mean like the Jets should, have right? gone
0: through a lot, but I feel like the forty nine ers still haven't really
1: No, yeah, that's I'm thinking more like backup types.
0: Like But even then they always seem like they kinda had the same the same guys.
1: No, that's a good point. Um
0: Who's higher?
1: I would assume. I bet Gore's higher. Just really? More more, I would no, assume Darnold
0: because it was like this year that he went from the Jets to the Niners.
1: Yeah, but I, I know I didn't spend a lot of time even thinking about Sam Darnold. Plus, he's been uh, dipped in the Panthers' pawn there, and he had he he had a change of gimmick.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with Frank Gore.
1: Okay. It's a big number, but I'm okay with it.
0: Forty-three.
1: Yeah, people in the grid know Frank Gore's lineage well. There's certain guys that like like To's one, Moss is another. Like some of these big names, like people, no one forgets that like To was a Bengal.
0: Yeah, we'll have to check after we're done recording. We'll give a peek to see who is higher, him list. or.
1: Him or Sam Darnold. I think be like, yeah, I always imagine like Jim Druckenmiller played for both, but I think he was literally only a 49er. He wasn't in the league that long. Uh, uh, Jets, uh,
0: Commanders?
1: Lavernius or Santana Moss. Or Ryan Fitzpatrick. uh, Mark Brunel? Yeah. But Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez, yes. Had that little uh, sojourn there at the very end. Hmm. I don't I don't hate the Sanchez, but I, I hate using like quarterbacks when you can, you know, come up with There's gonna be a few others there too that were
0: Probably. Uh Terrell Pryor?
1: Yep. I was just thinking like I was trying to think of like a Jericho Cotchery, but I don't think he was in Washington. Helen Clemens?
0: I don't think Clemens was in Washington. Or
1: maybe I, I may be merging him and Patrick Ramsey together in my head pictures right now. Mm. Laron uh, Landry? Ah, oh, that's possible. And let's go with. You know what? Let, let's go with the Sanchez. I, I think that's a good. Because I always. Kind of forget those last few rando stops that, that Mark Sanchez had.
0: Six percent. Not bad.
1: Jets, Raiders. A lot of winners. Lot of winners. A lot of big wins here. Uh how about Lamont Jordan? Okay. Don't know why that always pops into my head. He's a he's another one of those. Played like four years for the Jets and like five years for the Raiders. Just a just a even split guy. This is even, a, he, even played for the Patriots for a year. Josh McCown.
0: Pretty sure I have the right this McCown.
1: Is, I don't know. You know how I feel about the McCowns. I do. I can never trust a McCown on the grids.
0: God, I have to I I'm not confident enough. I need to look up the
1: stops for Ronnie Lott. Uh, he was a Jet and a Raider. That is a fact. Okay. He he. Oh, he would have been Jet
0: yet. San Francisco too,
1: right? Yep, he would have been Jet San Francisco because he played for the Niners, then the Raiders, and he finished with the Jets. Let's let's go, Ronnie Lot. Let's go, Ronnie Lot, because we didn't think of him as a as a Jet Niner. Let's let's go with old old forty two. Thirteen. <laughs> All right. Always
0: always fun is when we get into oh, Jaguars.
1: Well, why is it every Wednesday we get the Panthers, the Jaguars, and or the Texans? Like we always end up with at least like one, if not two or three of them. Blaine Gabberts of the world. Blaine Gabbert is the first name that popped into my head, and I felt terrible that it did. Uh Carlos Hyde. That's a good one. I think I feel like I've blocked the 49ers like from my memory. Uh, that uh, when it comes to, like a team like the Jaguars, I'm like ah, I don't know. Yeah, that's I think of the same it's like, about all I've got from... for. All right, Blaine Gabbert. Let's just move on to this one. I right, like the Jaguars are a team on, you think on the grid. Blaine Gabbert's is like... higher than Carlos Hyde, or isn't? All right, let, let's go Carlos Hyde. I bet Blaine Gabbert's really high, just as a quarterback,
0: and. You know, if you can go with a Carlos, 15% 15. looking
1: thick. In his if picture. he's 15%, then that is a sparse list. Like, those two teams yeah, do not have Oklahoma. Gabbert's got to be like 45.
0: Yeah, at least. no question.
1: Uh, Jags, Commanders. Mark Brunel. Yep. I believe he started a playoff game for both teams. Yeah. Did he
0: in oh yeah maybe there's like
1: what there's like one random year where they made the postseason i can't remember who they played but i remember it was it was the the saturday afternoon playoff game and it was like the worst qb matchup cuz it was like a backup mark Brunel, and it was yeah it was a garbage football game
0: just cuz i love his name i remember ziggy hood <laughs>
1: Do uh, I think of anyone else in Washington that would have made a stop there? Weirdly, my head always goes back to like the expansion draft because so many guys left their teams and joined the Jaguars that first year. And I'm like, all right, like, can I think of anyone from Washington around '93, '94 that would have jumped ship? But well,
0: the next one I think is just as frickin' <laughs> is probably worse. I'm trying to think of Raiders, Jags players. Not to skip ahead.
1: There's one that jumps to mind immediately. Like I said, when I glanced at this earlier, I go, Yeah, there's like six names that jump to mind with all of these these combos, but not many more than that. All right.
0: Washington and Jacksonville. Who are we going with? Mark Brunell.
1: It's gonna be high. It's gonna be terrible. Like this is one of those like just get through this grid.
0: Did I spell it wrong?
1: For those not watching, he's trying to spell Ziggy Hood right now. Um is it
0: not under Ziggy?
1: <laughs> I don't know what his first name is. I, I I don't I do not know if Ziggy is on his birth certificate, so you're gonna have to know Ziggy Hood's real first name if you want to play him right now. I do not. Mark well, Brunel, it is. Mark Brunel, it is. Well, we'll look that up after and see what Ziggy Hood's real name is. I'm gonna go with Evander Hood.
0: 53%. Ugh.
1: Uh, what did you get when you're only a franchise for 30 years? God. And Washington's been a franchise Ziggy? for 100. Uh, Jacksonville like, and the Raiders. Uh, how about Maurice Jones, Drew? Uh, I don't know. Sure. Um, I know. I mean, I, I know he played for both, but. I
0: think Desmond Howard did.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was an expansion draft guy. Mike Glennon. Oh, Mike Glennon. He came along like 25 years too late. Remember the the ads? And it'd be like at the end of the ad, it'd be by Manon. Like he would have been natural right there. Guy would have had sponsorships in addition to that monster contract the Bear signed him to. Monster, because it was way too much money, not because it was that big or that he's got a freakish like monster neck. But okay, that's that, that's where we are. Maurice Jones, true surviving
0: advance 39%. Uh, only played for one team San Francisco.
1: Mm. I feel like John Taylor only played for the Forty Nine. I'm trying to think of guys like from that '80s era when like maybe careers were a little bit shorter. Right. Ooh, like your, the
0: real like zero percenters are the ones that play like one year and are out of the league.
1: Right. Well, and, and so many people play current guys that like, oh, the Niners. You know, Fred Warner has only played. Right. For them. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, he's five years in the league, or Nick Bosa, or um. <sighs> I feel like I've looked that up with John Taylor because me and a friend had an argument years ago that John Taylor, you know, we're like, ah, and and both of us said, nah, he probably played like a year for the Chargers or the Jets or Tampa or something like that, but he didn't. You know what I'm actually pretty confident is Brent Jones, the tight end uh, from the 80s and 90s. I'm like 95% sure Brent Jones only played for the 49ers.
0: Okay. I'm not, so... (laughs)
1: Well, that's the thing. Like even Steve Young, like played for the Buccaneers before yeah. he joined the Niners, and obviously Montana ended with the Chiefs, and you know we already said Ronnie Laud, and Jerry Rice. Obviously, played for several teams after he left San Francisco. And all right, uh, what know, did you say? again? <laughs> <laughs> focused on Brent Jones, B R E N T Jones, just like it sounds. Okay, point three percent. All right, all right, all right. I think he was there for he was there for at least 3 rings. Uh Washington. Let's go with one of the hogs. Let's go with Joe Jacoby.
0: 1%. And the Raiders.
1: Let's stick with an offensive lineman. Art Shell. I was going to go Gene Upshaw, but that's that's up to you.
0: I'll make myself feel like I contributed. Hey, I was going to be real annoyed if I wasn't right.
1: <laughs> I'll make it seem like I contributed. Oh, it was well, in, in, in my head when I think of the thought of that, I was like, all right, it's Gene Upshaw or it's Art Shell. It's one of the two. Both are great. Played together. Uh,
0: all right. Uh, Pearl, where can they find you?
1: They can find me sterlingpenguin.substack.com. Uh, wasn't going to, but decided uh, with the Dynasty documentary coming out, two episodes every Friday. Uh, I'm doing a, a brief little kind of a fun recap on Mondays of that week's episodes, and then also starting uh, this Friday, so tomorrow as you're hearing this podcast, uh, I'll have part one of my Patriots internal free agency preview, where this week I run down the guys who. If the price is right and things line up, could be back with the New England Patriots. Uh, next week I'll do who I think is returning, and then uh, the third week those who I say are goners. So uh, that'll lead up to the start of the new league year in uh, mid-March. So really this is the, the last like down week of, of football until really like the NFL draft. So, yeah. Hey, we didn't
0: way. even talk this week about the Red Sox being sellers in the first
1: week of spring training. I'm not ready to do it. I'm not ready. maybe next week or something. Uh,
0: thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the NSO Podcast: A Production of Uncommon Media.